the Numinous Podcast with Carmen Spaniola. Hi there, and welcome to the Numinous Podcast, where we have interesting conversation with everyday folks about the mystery of life. This podcast is a complement to the Numinous School, my online intuition development program for people who want their self-awareness to serve a greater good. I'm your host, Carmen Spaniola, and today on the podcast, I'm speaking with Layla Saad. Layla is a writer, a coach, and a mentor for women on a spiritual entrepreneurial journey. She's also a poet and podcast host and leads programs for modern mystic women. I connected with Layla online. She was at home in the state of Qatar. So Layla, what identities do you lead with? Hmm. So many. <laughs> um, I remember being really young and my mom telling me, you're a, you're black and Muslim and female. So life is going to be really hard for you. You're going to have to work twice as hard as everyone else just to get the same level of recognition. And I remember at the time thinking, that's not true. That can't be true. Right. And she'll see when I grow up and that's not going to be true. And it is true, um, sadly. But what I am learning definitely more recently in the past year or so is that I actually lead with these identities proudly instead of seeing them as uh, what, my, what my mom was trying to tell me, which are these are hindrances. These are things that are blocking you from being accepted in the world, from having success in the world. You're going to have to compensate for these things. Um, now I see it as these are the, these are the things that I, these are the places that I want to lead from, um, because there's something so beautiful in each one of those things. Um, I also lead as a mother, um, as a writer, as a priestess. Um, and that's certainly a journey that again, just started within the last year or so. Um, yeah, those are the labels that, that really speak to me. I'm glad that you brought up your mother and that she was, you know, just a fallible human, just like everyone, because she's raised this powerful woman, even, you know, having said some things that could have really, you know, impeded your self-esteem, but managed not to. So as a mother, that makes me very hopeful Mm. (laughs) as a flawed mother. Me too. (laughs) (laughs) Can you remember uh, a moment in your childhood or uh, a a time when that shifted for you? Or like, did you choose, I'm not going to let this hold me back? I just, I, I remember in the moment when she said it, thinking that, Mm-hmm. And I remember, I remember thinking, no, that can't be true. And I won't let it be true. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, I, I, I must have been like probably my daughter's age. She's seven years old. I, I remember just thinking, there's no way that's true. And if it is, wow, like what a harsh world we live in. Mm-hmm. And if that's the world we live in, I don't want to be, I don't want to play into that, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so it was like this determination to prove her wrong, but also to prove the world wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Hmm. What was your spiritual upbringing like? Yeah, so I'm, I grew up in a modest, I would say, Muslim family. Um, 
they've always taught us don't be too uh, extreme either ways. Don't be too religious. Don't be too not religious. Be in the middle. Be balanced. Um, and so, you know, I grew up in the in the UK. My parents are originally from East Africa. Their heritage is also originally here from the Middle East, from Oman. So there's a mixture of a lot of things going on, but they came, uh, they went as immigrants to the UK. They met there, they married there, I grew up there. And I grew up, I was having this conversation with a friend earlier, we were talking about religion. And I said, you know, she said, if you want to know anything about Christianity, just ask me. And I said, well, you're going to laugh. I actually went to Roman Catholic schools for <laughs> nearly all of my childhood. I know all the prayers, all the hymns. I went to mass every week. Um, I grew up with both of those things. And I remember uh, my, my mom would joke that I would come home and say, we have to say grace before we have dinner. And we are Christians and I'm Christian. And they would have to say, you're not Christian. You're Muslim. <laughs> wow. So did they weave in Islamic teachings as well? Like, or did that come later? Like, did they, was there a revitalization sometime later in your life? Yeah, I mean, my, my, I, we grew up mostly with my mom. My dad worked at sea, so he would be away for months at a time and then come home. So she raised us, mm. um, you know, having to have both roles, mother and father. And she taught us about Islam every day mm. at home. We would read the Quran. She would read us stories. We would, you know, she'd had workbooks for us and all kinds of things. And so it, at school, we were getting this uh, Catholic, Roman Catholic tradition and at home, we were getting a very strong Islamic um, foundation. The reason they chose to send us to Roman Catholic schools is they believed they were more disciplined and mm. were just better schools than the public schools. Mm. Um, and they had to, my mom describes having to, you know, having to make compromises so that we wouldn't feel left out. You know, it was Christmas mm. time. They would make us not feel left out by buying us presents, but we wouldn't have Christmas trees, but we would have Christmas dinner and they would try to find ways to like make us feel that we're not left out, but also letting us know who we were. Mm. Do yeah. you still observe any of the Roman Catholic holidays or festivals? No. Or, no? <laughs> no. We, moved, we moved out here to the Middle East when I was 15 years old and growing up Muslim, in a not in a Muslim country is very different to growing up Muslim in a non-Muslim country. Here, I mean, it's it's everywhere. You probably couldn't hear it just now, but just in the background, the call to prayer was oh. going on for the nighttime prayer. Mm. There's mosques everywhere, so it, there's no, you know, there's no. Um, it's almost like it's around. You're you're in a sea of it. You know, you don't have to make that extra effort. And at the same time, there was no there was no need. For us to feel left out anymore mm. you know we have this community here it was only when we moved here that I like saw other Muslims and it was a normal thing mm. um, in my school I was definitely the only one other than my brother <laughs> um, and one of the you know handful of kids of color so yeah wow so you you moved to Qatar, Qatar is that yeah. right the Middle East yeah. when you're 15 what was that like all of a sudden I'm curious what it was like going from when being a minority in your school to now going to high school and everybody looks like you what, what was that like well that's the interesting thing about countries like Qatar Dubai um, they are very uh, they're a lot more diverse than 
living uh-huh. in, in the Western world. So mm. the school, the high school that I went to was a very small school. It's much smaller than the school I'd been to in the UK, but there were over 50 different nationalities. Wow. Yeah. Super and my, international. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> my daughter goes to that same school now. And I think it must be, it must be like 80 different nationalities now. Wow. Yeah. That is so cool. So yeah, how was cool. that different to go from a very, let's call it white supremacist, like very yeah. vanilla culture yeah. that's like the, the cradle of colonialism in yeah. the world to now a completely international environment. How did that shift your it life? It was, it was so incredible because uh, growing up, I, we were always the different ones. Mm-hmm. You know, we were always the Muslim ones in a, in a Catholic school. We were always the black ones. We were always the ones who spoke an extra language that no one else spoke. Mm-hmm. Um, and we come here and everyone is like that. In, in their own way. And some were even more mixed. You know, my, my parents were basically from the same place. They speak the same language. Um, I had friends who were like half this and half that. And these are two countries that have nothing to do with each right. other. <laughs> and so um, we really felt, I felt at least at home, one of the big noticeable differences, I remember the very first day of school, some kids came up to me from my class and from my year group and said, do you, are you okay? Do you want, do you need anything? Do you want to come sit with us? And I was like, what is happening here? We don't have, what? You know, English people are not like that. You know, I love, I love my UK people, but they're not like that, you know? Um, and I thought, have the teachers asked them to welcome me? What is happening here? And a couple of days in, I realized, no, this is just the culture here. Everyone is so different that there aren't these cliques, these groups. And even though there, there are, you know, kind of more geeky ones and more of, more pro- everyone was still friends with one another and everyone was incredibly welcoming um, because there was no other Mm. yeah and Mm. that was huge for me there was no othering anymore everyone was other so everyone was the same yeah and so what kind of effect has that had on your personal spirituality as you became an adult and you started to explore your own spiritual path Mm. that's such a good question because I often think about my daughter has only lived here and I wonder how things would be different if she was born in the UK and she went to school in the UK and how that impacted her differently. I think what it has meant for me and what I see it meaning for her is that we, there there is a greater level of, um, first of all, like just knowledge, right? Just like knowledge that there are other faiths Mm. and other uh, cultures and this is how they practice. And we celebrate their holidays and they celebrate our holidays. Um, we went to a, a birthday party for my daughter's friend the other day and her friend is Italian and we sang happy birthday in English and then Italian and then Arabic. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, and we're yeah. all from different places. We sang all those languages. Mm-hmm. And I think what it created for me is, is this understanding that we really are all one and there's so much beauty in the differences. Um, and so I think spiritually it, ha- it opened me up to seeing different perspectives and helping me see how we're all very similar. And there is so much beauty in the little intricacies and little rituals that are different from, from what I practice. Mm. So can you tell me about your spiritual practice? Like what observances are important to you? 
Mm, so this is something that I continue to evolve with. Um, I went through a, a very big spiritual awakening last year. It's coming up to almost um, a year's time. And um, up until that point, I had been very much a, like my parents, very middle of the road Muslim, used to cover my hair and wasn't really into kind of mystic spirituality or anything like that. And this awakening happened for me. And throughout that, I began to explore things like feminine spirituality and goddess archetypes and um, different rituals, you know, having an altar, using tarot and oracle cards. Um, and at first I was very afraid um, because we're taught, you know, when you come from an Abrahamic faith, that's the devil. Mm-hmm. That's <laughs> mm-hmm. don't go there, don't go down that route. Mm-hmm. Um, and it took me a while to allow myself to just open a book and read about these things because I thought if I open the book, then I'm gonna be tempted and mm-hmm. then I can't, you know, come back. And so, but this urge, this feeling of there's something more, and I want something deeper and I want more understanding. And I really am a truth seeker and I've always been that way. I have this real thirst for knowledge and meaning. Um, and so it just spilled out of me and I was like, okay, let's go in. <laughs> and my, my kind of philosophy for it was you don't have to believe everything you read or encounter, you know, you don't, you can take it or leave it, but at least look at it and mm-hmm. see how it resonates with you. And you can take what resonates with you and leave the rest. And so it's like, my spirituality is like, has like one part where I still very much identify as Muslim and I'm I, in no way need to or desire to let go of that identity mm-hmm. and at the same time um i'm also a wild mystic and so mm-hmm. I, i'm i'm into creating my own rituals i'm into following my inner being and you know what feels magical to me and what feels special and sacred to me mm-hmm. um, so that continues to evolve you know what was meaningful to me last month or a few months ago for example might not be so much now right um, and I stay open to the, the flowing can I ask you what was the initiating event that precipitated mm. this shift to a more wild mysticism Oh, there was definitely an initiating event and it had nothing to do with spirituality. Mm. It had, it was to do with business. Um, Mm. And I was just checking the date. I'm actually coming up to almost a year on the the event Mm -hmm. that caused it. It's on the 3rd of April of last year. I wrote a blog post that went viral. And um, very unexpectedly, I'd been working as kind of like a women's leadership coach, a business mentor. I was writing these like little nice pieces, you know, um, but nothing that rocked the boat Mm -hmm. or got a lot of attention. And uh, Spirit, I guess, guided me to write this post about, it was called, Why Those Six-Figure Business Coaches Are Failing You. Mm, That sounds satisfying to read. (laughs) Uh looking back on it now I'm like that was channeled because I wrote it in one sitting Mm. read it through edited it a couple of times and then sent it almost within the same day Mm. pretty much within the same day and um, I was very scared to send it because I knew that it would ruffle feathers it would get under people's skin 
and I'm an introvert and a highly sensitive person. And I don't do, I'm, I'm not a sensationalist. I don't do it for attention or anything. But I was like, oh, this just needs to be said. It just needs to be written. So I hit send, I sent it out thinking, okay, it's fine. I'll just, you know, hide. And very quickly, people were like, this is incredible. And started sharing it and sharing it and sharing it and sharing it. And within 24 hours, it had been shared 1,200 times. And within a week, it had been shared 5,000 times. And yeah, it was like going from not being nobody, but kind of just building my business quietly, you know, just my little small community that I'm serving and not, not many people know my name to suddenly like a huge spotlight on me and people asking me questions, people ask, people telling me how much they resonated with it, how much it healed them, how much, um, how grateful they were that I'd finally said the thing that they'd actually been wanting to write, but were scared to write as well. Mm -hmm. And they were definitely some (laughs) ruffle feathers and, and criticisms, but on the whole, it was, it was really positive. What happened was that very suddenly, that was an initiating event. Very suddenly, people were interested in working with me. People were interested in featuring me and wanting to be around me. And I felt super uncomfortable. <laughs> um, I did not feel comfortable about it. And that was like weird. I was like, what is going on here? This is what I've been hoping for, right? This is the dream to like make it and for people to know who you are and to have a waiting list of like 30 people who wanted to work with me. But I felt very uncomfortable and I suddenly just, I became blocked. I was like, I can't move forward. I'm feeling stagnant. I don't know what's going on. I was in a, a, a business program and I posted in there and said, look, this is what's happening. I don't know what's going on. I don't know what's on my mind. You guys have any ideas? And um, a lady was in that group who I had never spoken to directly. was like, I'm a Reiki healer. I'd be, I'd love to offer you a free session. And I was like, what's Reiki? Like I've never, <laughs> you know, and I'm not sure this magical Reiki thing can really, you know, help me out. Um, but I said, sure, you know, because I'm really stuck. And we had a session and then we, she did it remotely and then we had a call straight after. And she hit upon the thing that was blocking me and it was very much to do around my mother wound. Mm. And just the, she, you know, she didn't know me. So what she was telling me, I was like, how do you know this? And I just cried and cried and cried. And I was like, we need to work together. I need you. I need you. You know, <laughs> we had many other sessions after that. And it just, just that, that article and then going into that work and beginning this energy work expanded so much for me where I began to look at everything and I could feel this tide of this cycle of my life, like my, the energy of my life leading me somewhere. Things in many different areas of my life started falling apart. And I was like, something, is, something bigger is happening here. Mm-hmm. And I said, I'm, I'm going to surrender. I don't know what's going on, but I, I'm going to fully surrender. Whatever I'm going to be guided to do, I'm going to do it. Whatever I'm told to do, I'm going to do it. Um, so I started working with rituals and ceremonies and just self-initiating, self-guiding, um, researching things and then trying them out for myself and doing my own inner healing work and doing my own research, lots and lots and lots of reading. 
And that's where it, it led me. And it led me to actually shutting down that business and restarting my current business, which launched, um, relaunched officially in January, which is this wild mystic woman business that I run now. But mm-hmm. I, if I hadn't written that article, I just know this all wouldn't have happened. So, mm. yeah. So earlier you mentioned the the priestess path and mm. it sounds then like you're a self-made priestess. So yes. I'm curious which traditions or what kind of lineage informs mm. your your path or that you've woven in. Yeah. I'm very much a, a rebel. So <laughs> sticking to lineages doesn't work for me at all. Um, but there's certainly been things that have called to me or guides that have stepped forward for me. Uh, the goddess Isis is, one, is the one, the first one that stepped forward for me first in a dream that I had about someone else, which I was telling you about just before the call. I had a dream about someone else and they channeled this energy in this dream. And, they, and through her, she said, don't be afraid. You are being initiated. I am initiating you. I was like, I have no idea what this means. It was only when speaking to the lady later on that she told me, you know, this is what I believe the message is for you. And ever since then, that that presence has been with me, has been my primary guide, has been just a very guiding force for me. Um, I also, it's really interesting because I remember when I started that path, I remember thinking I can't legitimately call myself a a priestess or I can't because I'm Muslim so you can't be Muslim and be because who's have you met a Muslim priestess I haven't (laughs) so and I don't I'm not white and all the priestesses I saw were like white and speaking about Havilon and you know (laughs) And, and, I'm sorry. And, and the, the reason I'm laughing, I'm just going inter- to interject, is because I totally get that. Like, I used yeah. to be that white woman that was like, oh, and then you only have to think about it for two seconds to right. go, oh, Egypt. Like, right. nobody's, that's not white people. No. Like, you know, it's, but it's, it takes a bit of yeah. uh, deconditioning to think. Yeah. So, anyway, it does. I mean, Another guy that, that is always talked about, and I actually have her card here right in front of me, is Mary Magdalene. Mm. And again, she's always talked about as this kind of white woman. And she's not white, right. but her presence always seems very white. Why is that? Gee, like, what? yeah, she seems really white, I guess, because every image we've ever right. created in the West right. of her is very kind of Irish looking. <laughs> yeah. And her name, her name was definitely not Mary Magdalene. It's definitely yeah. not pronounced that way. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's, you know, right at the beginning, I remember feeling like a fraud because I was like, I don't fit into any of those boxes. Um, and, and so um, it was my friend Katie Burke who said, you know, you are a self-initiating priestess. You don't need anyone to, to tell you what it's supposed to be or what you're supposed to look like or how you're supposed to come across. You, you get to decide. And it was so freeing. I was like, oh, yes, of course. And um, I started to realize how important it was for people who are like me to step up and say, I'm also a priestess. Mm. Just because you don't see me represented doesn't mean that there aren't women like me. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so that was really, really important to me. And that's why, you know, going back to your original question, it's why I continue to lead with those labels, because those labels are seen in a very st- stereotypical way. Mm-hmm. and. Um, it's just, we're not, we're just not one homogenous group, you know, we're mm-hmm. so different. Yeah. 
So I would imagine that the conversation uh, about cultural appropriation is different in Qatar than it might be in North America. <laughs> and I imagine that the conversation about um, borrowing or, you know, quote unquote, taking from um, different spiritual traditions is different when you are um, actually from and living in the cradle of civilization. So, mm. so I'm curious about your perspective. Um, wh what are your thoughts? What's your position, let's say, on cultural appropriation and spiritual practice? Or what do mm. you see looking at North America and our conversation we have about things like that? Mm. So uh, that's a really good question because, yeah, I think it, it, it is different for me. Um, you know, I, when, I, when I talk about, I feel like I'm not Egyptian, but I feel like, you know, being more from this side of the world than, say, someone who is white coming from North America, um, there just is a different relationship, you know, mm. there just is. And at the same time, I, I don't feel like, I, I feel like people should be free to explore different traditions um, because there's so much that I have, there's so much meaning that I have been able to get from, for example, because you talked about lineages, for example, looking at the Hindu goddesses, right? That's another huge part of my team, I guess, mm -hmm. is the goddess Kali and Saraswati. Mm -hmm. Mm. And, but I am very aware that, you know, for me, it's easy to go, oh, I'll pick that one and pick that one. And that goddess sounds good to me. And I want, and that's, you know, there's a whole history of people who have been worshiping in this way. Um, and it's not for me to say I'm the expert on this because it's not. So for me, it's about what is my personal relationship, mm. right? And, and I don't need to go out and talk about it like I'm an authority or like mm. it's, you know, I, I don't have, I'm very clear that I don't have a lineage of it, mm -hmm. but it's that, that those figures, those, to me, I call them archetypes, whereas Hindus are calling them deities. They are goddesses. For me, it's, they are archetypes. They are mm -hmm. energies. Um, and so, yeah, I think, I think we do have to be really, really um, mindful of co-opting like religions that have been <laughs> running for like, so long and saying I want that and I want that um mm -hmm. I think there, there there does need to be a great level of, of respect and at the same time I think being a mystic means that we're just naturally going to be exploring all the time that's just in our bones um and as a mystic we find the links between different things we always mm -hmm. see the similarities and the and so we make so much beauty out of it but yeah mm -hmm. but it we do have to be careful. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I'm also curious as a, you know, I don't know, if, as a woman mm. and uh, a woman who is making her living on the internet, who is working in spiritual space, who's written an article about six-figure coaches <laughs> failing you, so obviously um, has an entrepreneurial background or yeah. foundation. I'm curious about um, how you reconcile a public face that's in the spiritual realm with the material needs of like needing to make it in the world, you know? Mm. I, I mean, I, I find that there's um, a lot of conflicting energies and it pulls me in many different directions. You know, yes, I want to be attentive to my child and I want to be nurturing, but I'm also a breadwinner and I'm quite, quite proud of that and I enjoy that and, 
And, but at the same time, I earn my living through spiritual work and I've, I'm conflicted about that. But at the same time, my culture doesn't really um, have a place for people with my kind of gifts um, to do this for free. And so I'm just yeah. curious if you struggle with anything like that. I mean, I've just, I feel like we have a lot of parallels. We do. And I am very blessed in that I have a lot of support and I'm not the primary breadwinner in, in our family, um, which I think, you know, it, it just, it does make it easier in so, in so many ways to do this kind of work. Um, and yet I make it hard for myself because I feel guilty, mm. you know? And so, for example, I, I, you know, I started, I have two children, they're seven and two, I have a husband, he's my rock. I am the, I am the airy fairy, you know, <laughs> you know, dreaming, writing, you know, imagining, navel gazing, and he's just like stable, you know, mm. got a real job and, and, and just happy in, in that, you know, mm. and, and I have a lot of support. I have a full-time nanny and mm. housekeeper. I have, I have my parents, my mom has retired. She retired last year. So I get a lot of support with the children. So I'm very, I, I feel like I have a very unique situation in that sense compared and to. And it sounds people. quite privileged. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, wow, I love a housekeeper. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> my, my and it's really funny when I do that. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's really funny when I, when I see conversations about privilege online, I'm like, privilege is, is, is contextual. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you guys are talking about it in the US and it shows up a different way. But if you live, if you see my life, you'd say, wow, you're really privileged. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet you're a black Muslim woman. Right. And so it's, <laughs> oh, yeah, got it. It's completely mm-hmm. contextual. But um, yeah, uh, the way that I make it hard for myself has always been, I, I didn't start off immediately in this. I was in a, a real job, a real career, corporate career. When I first started out, I worked in corporate tax for like five years um and wow, that sounds soul crushing to me i'm sorry it was all the tax accounting completely soul crushing <laughs> i was depressed a lot of the time i had you know a lot of anxiety and yeah i was bringing in income every month so i could say i'm contributing i'm contributing but it was crushing my soul and i tried to find compromises where i would have part-time jobs so i was at least bringing some in but they left me so drained that i couldn't do any creative work And for years, my husband would tell me, you're a writer, you should write, like, this is your work, you should be doing this. And I just wouldn't, I'd just say, you can't, like, you can't just, you can't do that. Like, I can't do that. You know, I would put these can'ts on myself and he would tell me, you can, (laughs) I will support you, whatever you need, I will support you. And it's honestly only within the last, again, year or so that I'm like, I fully give myself permission to be a creative, spiritual person. because. Trying to do it half-assed or trying to do it while trying to be a normal person isn't working for me. Mm. Uh, And it's not working for me, which means it affects my relationship with my husband. It affects my relationship with my kids, my energy, my mental health. Mm -hmm. And so I'm really grateful that I have the structures and the foundation, the support in place where I can, once I get over my own like faffing around, I can actually... (laughs) fully surrender to living a creative and spiritual life. Um, 
But I think, that, can I interrupt yeah. for one second? Because I'm just following this thought chain. You started this conversation being like, my mom told me that it was going to be harder. And I yeah. was determined that it wouldn't be. But then yeah. you ended up making it harder for oh, yeah. yourself. Yeah. So, yeah. so much harder. Yeah. And, and that's just, um, you know, that's a huge part of wounding um, that I have had to keep working on where I, you know, I was the, I was the, daughter of immigrants Mm -hmm. first born right and as I said with those labels and so for anyone who's an immigrant daughter a child of an immigrant you know like you have to be at the top of your class Mm. in school you have to be the best because we you know moved from our country to have a better life for you and all of that right Mm. Um, and so that old talk still runs at the back of my mind and when I'm not grounded when I'm not taking care of myself it takes over um and I have to be very aware of it um but yeah if I if I when I let that part go what emerges is so very different um it's a very much more relaxed person Mm. um and and when I don't I'm a very anxious person Mm -hmm. so uh, if we think about resentment as a kind of self-inflicted anger, <laughs> I would imagine that there was some anger uh, around the, the mother wounds, let's say, yeah. that you brought up or others. And I'm yeah. curious, you know, aside from doing your work on the mother wounds, um, how do you cope with grief and rage? What's your relationship like with anger and sorrow? That's a, that's a really good question. I think with, I'll start with rage because I, I'll tell you why. When it comes to sorrow and grief, I feel that I, you know, there are people who've really lost people close to them and that hasn't yet happened to me. Mm-hmm. I've lost grandparents when I was very young, but I haven't lost in a big way the way that I've seen others lose. And I'm like, I know it's going to come and I know I'm going to have to, that's a journey within itself. Um, so I don't feel like I can speak at depth on, on the grief of loss, um, yet when it comes to rage. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Because my rage was internalized. It was turned inwards because you're not allowed to show your angry emotions. Um, you know, you have to be a good girl. And that's what we're taught. That what that wasn't specific to me. That's I think what we are taught, especially as women, showing really big emotions. Um, you're called um, too sensitive, too too over emotional, um, PMSing, and so we're taught to really fold those feelings down, like tamp them down, and they just get turned inwards, and they make us really really sick. And so one of the things that I had to learn was that it's okay to feel your emotions. It's okay. It's okay to let them run wild. Um, because when you do, they don't, they don't stay like that forever. Mm. You can't stay at that level forever. It's just your, your whole body will be like, I'm done. I felt it as much as I could feel it. And I think it's run its course and I'm tired now. (laughs) Um, but when we block it, you know, what, what I found in my experience is when I blocked it, when I said, I'm not going to get, I'm going to let you out a little bit, but not too much, then it stays stuck inside. And so, um, yeah, I, I, when the feelings come up now, I'm like, don't hide it. You want to cry, cry. You want to scream, scream. Um, 
I used to be afraid that if I showed these big emotions or I let them free, then I would scare my children. Mm. Um, I was scared of the wild woman archetype. Mm. I thought she was too much. She felt too much and I didn't want to scare those around me. Mm-hmm. Um, and now I don't think that anymore because mm-hmm. I let her out. And when I let her out, she was, a, she was pissed. And, <laughs> and then she said, I just been trying to been take, you know, I've just try, been trying to take care of you this whole time. Mm-hmm. I'm angry for you. I am burning for you. It's for you. It's to serve you. Mm-hmm. Um, not, not to hurt you, not to harm you, not to hurt the people you love. I would never do that. I would never hurt the people you love. Mm-hmm. Um, and so now I let it out when it needs to come out. And the more you do it, the, the less, the, the, the more it can move through you faster and then you can get to the other side, you know, mm-hmm. but the only way through it is through it. That's all I know is the only way through it <laughs> is through it. You have to ride the wave. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. One last question in your sovereign sisterhood program. Is that, um, would you say that's pretty multicultural and diverse? Like, do you have <laughs> clients from around the world or would you say it's all white women who are totally this loving what really, you're doing? <laughs> this is super, super interesting because it seems to be the majority of people who are drawn to my work are white women. And mm-hmm. I find it really strange because I'm just fully myself. I don't, you know, I'm not appealing. I'm not trying to appeal to them or trying to show up as appeasing, but mm-hmm. it seems to be that's, that's who's drawn to me. So yeah, uh, it's an interesting thing. Hey, it just suddenly occurred to me that I was like, Hey, wait a second. You know who yeah. I bet is totally flocking. And I don't know why other than just, I mean, I don't know, I could postulate, but I I'd like to just think that maybe it's because we have uh, money and lots of time to be on the internet or something. I don't know. There's just like a lot of white women on yeah. the internet in spiritual spaces. So it's yes. just, it seems likely that they're just going to find you, especially if yeah. they're in kind of coaching and stuff like that. But yes. um, yeah, but Very I much actually, so. yeah, I like to yeah. think of you though, I guess I have this image of like you at the multicultural school, like the high school where like, everyone's yeah. like, you can sit with us. It's like, wow, that's what an awesome world. That <laughs> seems so great. And I want a little bit of that. So, yeah. wow. It, well, it's been very um, like enlightening and also very uplifting uh, to chat with you today, Layla. I guess partly because it gets me out of kind of a North American mindset. Uh, so I like, I would encourage people to obviously follow you online, but I really want to thank you for sharing your experiences and being on the show today. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed it. Well, that was educational, but also just uh, so personal. I I love hearing how people's spiritual awakenings were prompted and and how they're dealing with it. It, That was fantastic. Thank you so much again to my guest, Layla, for uh, sharing. And you can learn more about her and her offerings on her website, wildmysticwoman.com. I'd like to acknowledge my listeners today in the United Arab Emirates. It's actually, honestly, it's actually quite fascinating to me that there are, I guess, a lot of you folks listening. Um, Not quite in my top 10, but number 11 of all the regions of my podcast downloads, just kind of randomly, it seems, are from the United Arab Emirates. So I'm very honored. I'm I'm bewildered and really grateful. So thank you so much for listening to the show. 
Uh, as I always mention at the top of the show, this podcast is a complement to my online intuition development course called The Numinous School, and it will be reopening for registration in June 2017. If you'd like to be notified when that opens up, you can hop onto my website and just sign up for my newsletter. While you're there, you can also read all about my wilderness quests. It's 12 days in the mountains of ceremony and ritual to help you tap into your spiritual roots. Get all the details at carmenspaniola.com. C-A-R-M-E-N-S-P-A-G-N-O-L-A. Until next time, take care.